0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today, whether you're in person or watching online or listening to our podcast. It's good to spend time with you. Uh, When I served the church before I was appointed to South Park, I was much younger and uh, I was invited to go to be a part of the youth group activities one Sunday night at the church. And uh, what was going on was they're going to have a social kind of gathering and they do this every year where the students would play dodgeball against the parents and the volunteers and the pastors. And so I'm like, that sounds like fun. You know, we'll go in, take this easy, kind of have a a good time playing some dodgeball. And so we were in a gym and, uh, you know, I'm the pastor. So I thought, you know, I got to lead by example, just take it easy with the kids and stuff. But well, when those balls started flying, like it was like World War Three, and so like the kids throwing balls at their parents and their leaders and youth, they were just really getting into it, and vice versa. And I am still trying to be the pastorly kind of guy and take it easy, uh, but some of those. Big teenagers were just like drilling me, and it seemed like that the whole point of the game was pound the pastor, and so I felt like a duck in a shooting gallery, you know, bing, 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 bing. I'm like, okay, if that's how y'all want to play, then i I got to play some dodgeball with you too. I used to play this back in the day, and so... There's just one guy, he just kept pegging me and just pegging me. So I'm like, all right, here it goes. So I got, we had those, like those rubberized balls that, you know, they can really sting. And so I've been holding back, but there he was. And so I lined him up in my sights and I let that ball go as hard as I could. And if you ever played dodgeball, sometimes you can throw those balls pretty straight, but sometimes they have a wicked curve on them. So that ball was heading right for him, but then it took a curve to the right. And there was a girl about this high named Allie. (laughs) Yeah, middle school girl, boom, right in the face, knocked her down. She started crying. Her parents were there. I'm like, well, it's been nice working for this church. <laughs> I mean, I felt terrible. So I went over and apologized, and, you know, she got up. She's like, it's okay, Pastor Kyle. And, and we still joke about it to this day on social media. You know, Thanks for smashing me <laughs> in the face, Pastor Kyle. As she's grown now and uh, just, just doing great things in the world, so... Then I contrast that with when my boys were born and they were old enough when they were toddling around to be able to play catch with me, you know, throw them the little ball and they'd catch it and go, (laughs) you know, or if it would hit them, it'd bounce off, it'd be okay. Just how gentle I was in in throwing them that ball, how different those two games were. Uh, You know, we just finished an amazing series. I hope you enjoyed it on prayer and, and what it means to have a conversation with God how we talk to God, how God talks to us, how we can hear from God, how we can speak to God, we can speak to God honestly. If you missed that, I invite you, as Lindsay said, to go check that out on our website. But we want to shift gears today as we begin this new series. We're going to start talking about, okay, if we have conversations with God, that's awesome. That's where we need to start. But We also need to talk about how do we have conversations with each other. Uh, because it seems to me sometimes looking at the world today that that might be a lost art. If you watched politics this past week, it was it was pretty hard to, to get through that. And so our world, our nation's really divided. And so what I'd like to invite you to do over the next few weeks as we explore this series is, is to watch the conversations that you have and to think about conversations kind of as a game of catch that as as we are talking to to someone in a conversation, uh, what I say to them, you know, I'm, I'm throwing a ball, and when they're talking to me, they're throwing the ball back. Right. And, and some conversations are easy and they're gentle. And, you know, we can just kind of, you know, lob the ball out there and it's going to be OK. Uh, and then there's some conversations that we have and we treat it like dodgeball where we're, we're mad as all get out and we want to win the day. We want to crush uh, our opponent in the, in the conversation. And so we wind up and we take the dodgeball and we hum it at their head as hard as we can. Right. And so on one side there's the soft conversations, on the other side, like we're we're playing dodgeball from hell trying to kill somebody. And then in some most of the other conversations are somewhere in between. So in your life right now, as you think about conversations, what do those look like? Are we are we angry? Are we are we trying to prove a point all the time? Are we are we throw in words and, and and humming those things at people's heads? Are we are we more gentle and you know, trying to take a Christ like approach and how we throw that ball? Because it's important. How we have conversations, and what does that look like in your life? And, and use that metaphor to think about in your life this week, whether you throw footballs or basketballs or tennis balls or golf balls or, or whatever it is that you throw. What kind of conversations are we having in our lives? Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna look at some. Um, some advice, obviously in scripture, because that's our, that's our core book. That's our core information as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And we're also going to be studying uh, a book called Crucial Conversations. We've got a copy here. There's a bunch of authors. I can't even list all of them. They're experts, Uh, but they offer some good news. And so, you know, all truth is God's truth. So we're going to try to do a hybrid message of what's God teach us through the Bible. What's God teach us through some of these, these studies. Uh, And so that we can have crucial conversations Well, the question might be then, well, what is a crucial conversation? A crucial conversation uh, is a conversation when the stakes are high, opinions are varied, and emotions are strong. When the stakes are high, opinions vary, and emotions are strong, right? So that takes a casual conversation up a notch to a crucial conversation. Right. So in our lives, those would be conversations about politics. Those would be conversations about religion or faith. That would be conversations uh, about money, would be conversations about sports here in the South. Uh, that would be conversations with your teenagers or with your parents. You know, usually stakes are high, opinions vary and emotions are strong. Uh, Those would be conversations about, hey, I need to invite my in-laws to quit interfering in my life so much. Uh, Those kind of conversations. Conversations that someone at work is just absolutely annoying you to death or your neighbors are driving you crazy with some kind of action that they're doing. Uh, Something's going wrong in your marriage or a relationship, right? Where the stakes are high, you're invested deeply. Uh, Where your opinions vary, you don't see eye to eye, and you are emotionally... Tapped into this, and the emotions get strong, and get heated, and so those conversations, they, they rise to the top very quickly. Right, in our own denominations, we continue to have crucial conversations about human sexuality, and we're going to have a general conference uh, again in May this year, and in which a reality is our denomination might split in half. Right? Those, are, those are crucial conversations that we're wrestling with right now in the United Methodist Church. The Republican National Convention is coming to Charlotte in August. Uh, and that's going to bring a, a lot of crucial conversations because there are going to be a lot of people here who are excited to have that. There's a lot of people here who are, are the exact opposite of that. I think that's the worst thing that could be happening to our city. Right? It's going to happen. The, the national spotlight's going to be here. And in your own lives right now, I'm sure there's tons of crucial conversations to be had. Right. The question is, are we equipped to do that? Do we have the courage to enter into those? How do we have conversations? Because something interesting about crucial conversations is the more crucial the conversation is, the less likely we feel that we're prepared to engage in that. Right. The the more crucial the conversation is, the higher the stakes, the the more varied the opinions, the stronger the emotions. Right. We feel less likely to be able to to have the equipment to have those conversations. And so then the burning question is, how do we have the conversations? Right. If these are the conversations we're supposed to be having and we're less likely to be able to to do that, how are we expected to have the conversation? So that's why we're here. That's what we're going to be spending some time on over these next few weeks. So if you struggle with crucial conversations, if you've been putting off a crucial conversation, if if you've had one that didn't go well. Right. This is a good time for us to think and pray about that together. So one option with crucial conversations would be to not have one. Right. To totally ignore it to just bury it. Uh, don't talk to the person. Talk behind their backs, right? Gossip about it. Be passive-aggressive. Try to sabotage them in passive-aggressive ways, right? That's the easy way out, is not to have the crucial conversation, right? And so so that would be one option that we would have. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, whatever doesn't kill you makes you that's right. That is that is the correct phrase. Well, there's a movement in the United States now, evidently, in college campuses that kind of flips that, which says whatever doesn't make you strong, whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker. OK, and let me explain what I mean by that. I'm reading this book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Uh, and what coddle means is to overprotect. Uh, there's these two research people. They're very smart guys. They go around and there's been studying college campuses and all kinds of stuff that, that are going on. And they said that really the underlying message in a lot of college campuses now is whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker. And what I mean by that is that college students uh, just they don't want to engage in controversial conversations. And they want to be protected from anything that might cause them mental anguish. And so in a lot of college campuses now, uh, controversial topics are not being taught. They're not inviting speakers to come on campus that might think differently from what the students think about So we're kind of like creating these bubbles on college campuses to keep people safe so they don't have to deal with people who have different opinions uh, so it won't cause them anxiety. Now, So whatever doesn't kill you, right? a a difficult discussion, a difficult idea, someone who thinks differently than you, that that if you engage with them, that's going to hurt you and make you feel weaker. So the option is then let's just not have the discussion. Let's not bring in uh, controversial speakers or or deal with topics or or study books that think differently than what we think. And the, the study guys who are doing this, the researchers have found that it's actually causing college students to have more anxiety. Because when they get out of college and go out in the real world and they have to deal with people who think differently than them, who are going to push back against them, they don't have the equipment to deal with that, right? And so dodging the issue is actually raising the anxiety of college graduates so they don't go into the world knowing how how to have conversations Uh, because the real world doesn't work that way. Not everyone's going to agree with you. You can't hide in a bubble. Although if we begin to look at the United States right now, we are creating a lot of bubbles, aren't we? We, we see people who are trying to be around only people that think like them politically or religiously or socially, right? And, and we, want, we want to put everybody else in their own bubbles and know that, that God's with us, God's not with them, and we don't need to be talking to anyone else. We just want to be with like with like. And it seems like a lot of people in our, our nation and our country have forgotten how to talk to each other, right? We've, we've got to figure out a way to have conversations with people who think differently than we do and just have a conversation about that. Dr. Martin Luther King said this, our lives begin to end the day that we become silent about things that matter, right? If we're not talking about the issues of life that matter, right, to other people who think differently than from us in a civil, socialized way, right, our society's going to be in big trouble, right? And so, again, right, we need to engage with one another, right? And so the authors of this book say that the key to that, this is not rocket science, is dialogue, right? The free flow of meaning between two or more people, We've got to figure out how to talk to each other, that I have meaning, that you have meaning, that we can we can converse with each other and and not kill each other over it. Right. That that we can still be friends. We can think differently. Right. We can hold different ideas, but we've got to figure out a way to live together and converse together and not polarize ourselves. And so that's that's where our goal is. So how do we do that? How do you have a crucial conversation? How do you have a crucial conversation with someone who thinks so differently than you or just can push your buttons or you can push their buttons how do we begin to have these as followers of Jesus what does that look like cuz i don't think Jesus wants us to stick our heads in the sand and so let's dive in today in the bible we're going to be in the new testament in the book of ephesians uh, this was uh, a church called in a place called ephesus kind of in the area of greece in the mediterranean world in the first century a pastor named paul started this church and he's writing them a letter he's away from from ephesus from the ephesian church and and he's trying to give them some advice. And what's going on in the Ephesian church is that the church is not unified. There's a lot of stuff going on. We don't need to get into all that. I'm not sure that we understand all of that. But the church is not unified. And so Paul is hurt by this because he knows that we're supposed to be unified in Jesus. We're supposed to be unified together. And so he's writing to them, trying to get them to talk to each other and, and to get things, the ship, righted. Right? And so these are some of the words that Paul begins to say to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4.22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So what what Paul is talking about here is he, he... he ends like this little short passage in Ephesians by saying you need to go and talk to each other, right? You need to make things right with each other. But before you can do that, you need to make things right with God and with yourself, right? So before we engage in conversations with one another, we've got to be in a good place with God, right? Especially those of us who follow Jesus. That We need to stand in front of God, in front of a mirror, and admit who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Say, you know what, God? Thank you for creating me in your image, Right. There's a lot of goodness in me. I've been able to do a lot of good things in the world through you. And I appreciate that, God. Thank you for, for doing that. God also realized you've given me the freedom to make choices. And sometimes I make bad choices and I hurt other people. I hurt myself. I'm not perfect. I've got some guilt. I've got some shame, God. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I need some help with that. So, God, will you please forgive me and help me start a new life And you? Let my old self that's that's doing all this broken stuff just leave that behind and, and come and start fresh again. And thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross and to come back to life so that I can do that. Right? So, so for those of us who follow Jesus, who want to have a relationship with God, right? Before we can help our other people, right, we got to get right with God. Right? It starts in, in that relationship with with, with God to, to take that look at ourselves to say, there's good in me, but there's also a lot of stuff that's not good, and I need to, to tell God what that is. I need some help with that, right? So we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with God. It's kind of like we got to play catch with ourselves, right? you got to take the ball, and before you start throwing it at somebody, you get in front of a wall, you bounce it off the wall, you catch it, you bounce it off the wall and catch it, right? We've got to, we've got to be made right with God. We've got to kind of get our own house in order, before we can begin throwing the ball to other people, right? We got we got to learn the mechanics of throwing the ball, catching the ball, throwing the ball, catching the ball before we we take it to someone else and we could hurt them or we could hurt ourselves. That makes sense. So so Paul outlines it very well, right? Then we can begin to have conversations with others, right? So what? So what's the point? What's the big idea? What do I want you to walk away thinking today like this 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 is what I think Paul's saying to us, right? To put us first, start with you. Right? God says, right, to put us first, you gotta start with you, right? Kyle, you gotta say to me, God, right? I'm sorry what I've done. You gotta look at yourself, right? Want to have a relationship with God? I I gotta get me right with God, right? God makes things right, but I've got to come to God and admit that I need his help, right? In a relationship, if I wanna be in a right relationship with you, I gotta get my stuff together before I can begin to converse with you. I've got to understand what I'm bringing to the table, right? What are my agendas? What are my hidden agendas? What's going on in my heart, right? So, right, to put us first, start with you, right? So, we need to have some self reflection before we enter into a conversation. Right, especially a, a crucial conversation. We need we need to ask ourselves some questions like, you know, what 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 are my stakes? Right, where where is my opinion on this? What's my emotional connection here? We've got to begin with ourselves before we really can and go into a relationship with someone else in a, in a conversation. Right. So, the writers of the book Crucial Conversations say it this way: Start with your heart. Okay, before you have a conversation, a crucial conversation, have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself three questions, okay? What do I really want for myself, right? I'm gonna have a conversation with my spouse, I'm gonna have a conversation with my boss, I'm gonna have a conversation with a Republican or with a Democrat. Uh, what am I gonna, what do I want for myself out of this, this conversation? What do I really want for the other person that I'm gonna be conversing with? Is, am I going into this conversation, do I wanna win at all costs? Do I want to come to some common ground? Do I just want to be heard? right? Do, do I want to hear from them? What do I want for others in this conversation? And then finally, what do I really want for the relationship? Right? Are we going to continue a relationship after this conversation? Because if so, I need to word this carefully. right? Am I ending this conversation? right? What do I want for the relationship? So so what the authors are saying, what Paul is saying is, right, we got to do our, our homework before we enter into some conversations with people. Right? We, we've got to do our own work. Don't just walk in and try to wing it. That doesn't usually go very well. That's when the emotions can run rampant and, and take us away. Right? Let me give you an example. Right? So there was a, a CEO uh, named Greta. It was a kind of a middle-range company. Uh, doing pretty well uh, until recently. And so uh, the, the the information that she sent out to like the leaders underneath her uh, was that we need to cut costs. We need to cut costs uh, over the next, you know, several months or whatever. Six months come and go and the costs haven't been cut. Greta's upset. She calls in her top leaders into a meeting uh, and she says, hey, you know, we need to have a conversation. Six months, I don't see any, you know, any, Cost cutting. What's going on? I needed to understand what's going on. And one of the, one of the persons that reported to her uh, was this guy. Kind of raised his hand. He, he was a little sheepish about it, but it, you could also tell that he was really wanting to talk. And so he raised his hand. She's like, you know, w- w- yeah, go ahead and ask a question. He's like, well, you know, we'd love to talk about cutting cutting costs. And we're not doing that very well right now. But he's like, but. We need to understand why you, as our CEO, are talking about cutting costs and, and you're also building a second office when we, we have a perfectly good office. Uh, and, and it's rumored that it's very expensive and you're going to spend like one hundred fifty thousand dollars on furniture alone. Right. How is that an example of cutting cost? Right. So so now she's put on the spot right she's been basically called a hypocrite out in front of everybody this probably should have been a crucial conversation that that gentleman should have had with her one on one before getting in front of the group right and so so now greta has the decision how she's going to reply to that right if if what she wants out of the conversation is to is to win at all costs then she would just shut him down to say hey you know what You don't have all the information. Let me tell you what the real deal is and just put him in his place because he didn't have all the information. So, if she wanted to be the winner of that conversation, she could have just shut him down right there, right? Or if she wanted to show him who was boss and punish him for questioning her authority in front of everybody else on the leadership team, then she could have said, you know what? This is a great time to cut costs. You're fired, right? Get out right? And, and if anybody has an intelligent question, I'll listen to those kind of questions, but no more questions like that. So if she wanted to, to be a punisher, right, then, then she could have, could have done that. But she stopped, right? And, and, and I'm sure those things went through her mind, right? Those would have been what the authors of this book call fool, fool's choices, right? That you take the bait of your emotion. But she's like, what I want out of this this conversation is for us to be a stronger company, for us to be a stronger team, and we need to face some brutal facts. And so she said to him, thank you for that question. We need to discuss this, absolutely. And I know that it took a lot of uh, courage for you to risk that question. I appreciate that that you trust me that we can have this conversation. And so they moved forward, and and they figured out a way how to explain some things that he didn't understand, how to cut some costs in all areas. And the team move forward because what she wanted for herself, for the others, was to be united and to, to advance the company uh, together and to face some some challenging discussions. She also worked for the elusive and right. She wanted to to face the hard questions and come out as a team. She wanted to to make some hard cuts, but and still be a, a viable comp, you know company right. So as we think about that, I want to tell my neighbors that this is annoying me and I still want to be in a good relationship with them, right? I've got to tell my spouse something that's going to be hard for them to hear, but, and I want them to still love me, right? So when we have these conversations, we can have the goal uh, of trying to, to do the impossible, right? And so that happens when we go through this process, okay? So just be thinking about that in our lives. Now, I would add one thing that's not in this book, but it's in the book that we follow. The Bible is after we ask ourselves these questions, right? What do I want for myself? What do I want for the other person? What do I want for the relationship? How can I avoid these foolish decisions, these fool's traps, right? What does God want out of this conversation? I think a lot of us miss that question because it when we think about what does God want for this conversation, we're probably going to have to go back and rewrite what we want for ourselves, what we want for others, what we want for the relationship. Uh, Because that's the point where we have that the world doesn't, that we have Jesus to inform us, right? That, That when we want to win at all costs, or when we want to punish the other person, we want to drive our point home, Jesus might give us some wisdom to say, you know, step back a little bit. Uh, And just know this is the brother and sister in Christ. Right. So what does God want for this conversation? Now, the question is, how do I know what God wants in my life? Right. I'll refer you to our last sermons here. We talked a whole bunch about prayer. So once you go back, watch those sermons. Right. How do I hear from God? What's God's uh, will for me in my life? Right. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. But that is a step that so many of us miss. Right? We're so mad at, we're so excited. We, we just we want to get in that conversation. We want the win. We want to punish. We want to, you know, walk away the victor, right? When God probably is telling us to take a whole different avenue. So, right, so these are some strategies. Let's just let's put them back up there one more time, Debbie. Right? If you want to take a snapshot of this, right? Uh, what do I really want for myself? What do I want for others? What I want for this relationship. Avoid the fool's choice, right? Don't go in and win at all costs. Don't go in to punish, right? What does God want? Right? These are just some, some ways, some strategies that we can, we can have together. Right? To put us first, start with you. Right? we got to do the work. we got to dig in. we got to do our own homework. Right? To put us first, start with you. So homework application this week, what I invite you to do is to think about one crucial conversation that you've been putting off and begin to pray about that. One crucial conversation in your life, whether that's at work or with family or friends or even in church, one crucial conversation that you've been putting off that you know the stakes are high and the opinions are varied and the emotions are strong and it's easier to ignore it, right? Whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker, right? Just, just begin to pray about that, right? And think about these things that we've talked about. What's, what's in my heart? What do I want for this conversation? What do I want for the other person? What do I want for our relationship? right? What foolish choices might I have to get past, right? What is God calling me to do in this conversation? What is God calling me to do in this relationship, right? So begin to pray through this process, and let's see what happens. And come back next week. Next couple weeks, we're going to give you some more practical steps about how to have these conversations. But But we got to till the soil, right? we got to till it with our hearts. What's in our heart? What's God calling us to do? Begin to pray about your crucial conversation. And what if we all did that? What if we all prayed about it? What if we examined ourselves? What if we let God examine us before we open our mouths? I think our conversations would go a lot better. Right? It's not going to be perfect, but I think our, our our church could be stronger, our families could be stronger, South Park could be stronger, the United States could be stronger if we all took some time to do this, right? Instead of just being reactive or passive aggressive and dodging the bullet. I mean, I think if we did this, the crucial conversations God could do some good things through that. All right, so this past week, um, we obviously had the State of the Union address, uh, in which President Trump and Speaker Pelosi kind of disrespected each other. Uh, we've had the Iowa uh, caucus, we've had the New Hampshire caucus, we had the, the Democratic debates. You guys are getting nervous, right? Kyle's talking politics now. Oh boy, what's going to happen coming out of his mouth, right? So so I, in the midst of this, was texting with my three pastor friends. You've you probably heard me talk about them. You met most of them, John, Scott, and Steve. Uh, and we're, we're texting about what we're seeing and, and, and hearing. And, and you've got to understand, we're very different politically, the four of us. And so For the record, when we're having a text thread, not a crucial conversation, right? Don't have crucial conversations through email. Don't have them through text. Have them face-to-face, right? Uh, But we've had many crucial conversations about politics, and we know where we stand, and we know how to push each each other's buttons. That's what we were doing. We were texting. We were pushing each other's buttons, having fun together. But we've had some real knockdown drag out discussions about politics because it affects our everyday lives, right? It affects how we minister, it affects how we deal with our families, all that kind of stuff. We have some knockdown fights, arguments, you know it. But at the end of that discussion, right, we kind of put that on the shelf and we're still friends and we move forward together, right? Because ultimately our relationship is more important than our politics. Ultimately, our primary our primary identity is that we're brothers in Christ. And that we, we can love each other, we can be best friends and see completely differently about politics, right? And so I think that that's something that Paul is also saying to us, that, that before we have conversations, we have to be anchored in Jesus, right? That, that as followers of Jesus, our identity is Jesus first, right? We follow Jesus before we're Democrat or Republican. We follow Jesus beco- before we're conservative or liberal. We follow Jesus before we're black or white. We follow Jesus before we're male or female. We follow Jesus before we're gay or straight. We follow Jesus before we're young or old. We follow Jesus before we're rich or poor. You see what I'm saying? right? Our core identity is in Jesus Christ. right? But what we do is we go off in our camps and our Democrats and Republicans and liberals and pro- and, and conservatives and we think Jesus is only with us, Right? And the other things, Jesus is only with them, right? But Paul reminds us we start with Christ. It's Jesus first. We're all on the same team. And when we're anchored in Christ, we can have conversations and we can disagree and we can be Democrats and Republicans and we can be liberal and conservative because we are anchored in Jesus, right? To put us first, start with you. And start with you means, first of all, we got to surrender to Jesus Christ. And that everything, every conversation that comes out of our mouth should go back to the fact that we all follow Jesus and that we're on the same team. And when we're on the same team, it's a lot easier to play catch and to throw the ball in a way that's not destructive like Pastor Kyle knocking out a middle school girl in her face. (laughs) To put us first, start with you. To put us first, start with you. Put us first, start with you. Find one crucial conversation that you need to have and begin to pray about that. And always remember, we are in Jesus first. So let's play catch in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.